And there is no normal. There is no normal. Yeah. No. no. It's up to you to redefine that now. Yeah. And actually, what you're feeling right now is exciting because it's telling you your soul is ready to take its next step to grow. Yeah. When you feel unsettled, you feel as though nothing's happening, you know, you're stuck. It's telling you your soul is ready. So start planning what you want that to look like. Mm. So if you're not sure who you are, you have the choice of who you are. And that is a really powerful place to be. Kia ora and welcome back to The C Word, the podcast for cancery people. I'm your host, Helen King. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. I wrote about my guest today in the piece that was published in the Sunday Star Times during Breast Cancer Awareness Month back in October. I have always referred to her as the happy lady. I met Shona Herndell at the cancer retreat that was held in Auckland late last year. I had just finished my Herceptin treatment, which signalled the end of all of my cancer treatment. Unlike Shona, who was absolutely glowing, a positive ray of sunlight, I was the complete opposite. I was a ball of emotion and had no idea what to do with it. And her positivity utterly fascinated me. How does a person go through an experience like cancer and come out with so much hope and optimism? I tracked Shona down and sat down with her recently to find out what the happy lady's secret is. It has always intrigued me of how a person can go through you know, really challenging things like you have with your cancer and and other things that were happening around that time Mm. and be this amazing, effervescent, positive person. So Mm. it's so nice to have you here so I can ask. (laughs) I have my down days too. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us your secret. (laughs) Well, I think the secret for me was... um, Two years before being diagnosed with cancer, I'd lost my beautiful husband. Mm. And um, ours was a beautiful love story because we met at 19 when we were both at training college and didn't meet again for another 27 years. Oh, wow. And um, I met him in a staff room because I had a business whereby I did workshops in high schools and he he came up to me and reminded me that he knew me. We'd had one hot date. Um, (laughs) And I said to him, did I teach you once? <laughs> and he just he just beamed from ear to ear. He had this most beautiful big smile and he was the most gorgeous Cook Island man and um, he was looking ever so handsome with a shaved head and, and bodybuilder body and, and I thought, my goodness, who is this man? And so he did remind me and um, so 12 months later we kind of got together. Yeah. Um, and uh, unfortunately, seven years uh, into our marriage, he um, had had a weak heart and he got a, um infection in his heart and um, he passed away. And uh, that was really tough. That was really tough. But it also gave me, once I came through that grieving process, and try to make sense of it. I um, just came out with this immense sense of gratitude. Mm. And I was just so grateful that we had had, uh, we were together probably 10 years altogether. And we'd had 10 years of fun and laughter and adventures and just beautiful love that I realised that I, I was the lucky one because he, um, we were together. And that we'd had this beautiful life. And even though it was short together, it was quality. And so I ended up being very grateful, which actually gave me a renewed courage, a courage I didn't know I had. Wow. So when I was diagnosed with cancer two years afterwards, I had to pull on that courage. Mm. I had to find it. And we've all got it. 
we, we, it just has to be tested to mm. know that it's there. But we all have it, and it's deep inside us. And if we dig deep enough, we'll find it. Yeah. And so you had breast cancer. That's correct. Was it? How was it found? How? how it was, was just a routine mammogram. You know, just the caravan. You know, in the car park <laughs> by pack and say. <laughs> and you go along and, and I remember one time Steve came with me and he sat in the car and I said to him, gosh, my life could change today, sweetheart. Yeah. And that, that mammogram was clear. Well, two years later and without him sitting in the car park, um, I had the test and a, f- a couple of weeks later, uh, had the phone call to say, please come back. And yeah. I guess it's always the phone call that we dread. Yeah. So it was a total surprise. Mm. Yeah. So routine mammograms are really, really good. Yeah, and so important to keep on top of it. Very much so. Don't put it off. And I, But I relate to that idea that when we, when we go through immense grief and we learn re- resilience around that... Um, we learn how deep we can go mm. when times get tough. Mm. Um, and I think for me, that's that's what I learned is that, you know, you, yeah, it's, you have to dig deep and it's hard and it's painful. But um, just having that knowledge that you can do it is kind of what propels you through. Mm. I think that I I came across this lovely quote the other day and it said um, cancer is um, a gift wrapped in shitty paper. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, you know, the journey does give you a lot of of blessings. And I think if you just take a moment and think about what those blessings are, then you can begin to begin the healing process. Yeah, and um, how your mind operates and how you think about it all and how you're reacting to things mm. actually determines whether your body is going to click into its healing mode or not. Yeah. And we need it to click into healing. Yes. Mm. And I, I guess that was, um, I think healing is, it's, a, it's an interesting word because I think when we're in the medical system, when we have the cancer, mm. um, you know, in that context they are healing you they Mm. are trying to fix you they're Mm. trying to you know take that cancer out Mm. but when you come out the other side healing becomes something very very different and I think um you know I've often spoken about this that actually that's the hard part trying to figure out how do I heal myself Mm. now and how do you live now yes yeah because you're given this you know when you finish your treatment you're given a brochure you know, with 10 bullet points yeah. on it. And you go, so what happens now? Mm. How do I live now? Yeah. Well, that's actually where the true healing begins. Yeah. Because cancer is a wake-up call, and it's um, to work out why did we get it in the first place. So mm. what were those triggers to make sure that we, that we don't go back to that? Mm. And we learn what it is that has triggered us. So I, I feel that I got the cancer because I'd lost Steve. Mm. And often people talk about there's often a major event that has occurred ahead of time that has possibly triggered this. And so I think that if we can work out what's in our lives that's triggering this Mm. and change that, then we're beginning on that path of healing. That's so funny because I... Um, I have found that too and I've had small conversations with people about, you know, because you always think, why did I get cancer? And I I think that um, stress is under-researched. Your oncologist is never going to say, you were very stressed and that's mm. why you've got your mm. cancer. Or, but um, a lot of people I have met have had a similar thing where maybe two years prior, something very big happened. Mm. And that was certainly true for me. Mm. Um and then, yeah, the two years later, I got the cancer. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you go through something major in life, and I remember people saying to me when I lost Steve, oh, look after yourself, won't you? You know, that's just what people say. Yes. And for me, looking after myself meant I got a new haircut and a new outfit. <laughs> I didn't realise <laughs> yeah. that really looking after yourself actually meant on a deep cellular level yeah. you need to look after yourself. And um, because, you know, we've got this electromagnet field around us and when it gets dented, 
when you're going through emotional stuff, mm. then that's when the disease can come. Mm. And so we've got to keep that electromagnet field around us really strong. Mm. And I don't think that traditional medicine teaches us how to do that. So we have to look outside of that. So doctors are just trained to get rid of it. Yes. So they'll just you know take it out in some way. But it's what happens after that or actually during that process. If mm. we can have that process working alongside traditional um, medicines, then we have a better chance of actually clicking our body into healing. And one of the things that drew me to that cancer healing retreat, the healing circle was when the oncologist said, when the mind, body and spirit are in line, that's when the miracles occur. And, you know, when we deal with all this stuff, what often happens to us is our, our lives can become a lot more smoother mm. um, because we're starting to think differently yeah. about our lives and we're expecting different things. I mean, I met this beautiful woman when I was having her septum um, at the at Auckland Hospital and she said to me, I'm, I'm gonna, I said, I want to get involved in this sort of work, but I, I don't know how yet. And she said to me, I'm going to send you a book. And so she did. And it was by Joe Dispenser, and it mm. was called Becoming Supernatural. Yeah. And he talked about how we need to change ourselves at a cellular level so we walk towards a new future, not the one that we're always putting out for this yeah. chaos and so forth. But we program ourselves that we walk towards this new future. So that comes, and it starts with... A, recognising what those fears or anxiousness or sadness, whatever those emotions are, we need to recognise them, we need to embrace them, mm. we need to make sense of them, we need to do whatever we need to do to let them go. Mm. And then we change our future. Wow. I want to go back a, a few steps because mm. I'm really curious about what it was like for you being diagnosed with cancer mm. and then going through the treatment. Um, how how did you cope with it? Mm. How, you know, what was that like mm. for you? It was scary for me because I had a business that I was doing workshops in high school. So I was out in front of a group of, you know, 16, 17 year olds <laughs> every day. Yeah. And the thought of losing my hair, yes. my thought of looking terrible, because one advantage you can have walking into classroom is wearing a bright lipstick because yes. you look, <laughs> you think, oh, okay then. Yeah. Right. Okay. There could be a bit of fun here. And so um, I tried very hard to, first of all, keep my hair, and yes. that didn't work. Yeah. So I ended up um, getting a grey wig. Yeah. And that actually was really, really good. Although the getting of the wig is a really awful process. Yes. So um, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, first of all, that was tough because I needed to, I was thinking, will I be able to keep w working? Mm. And um, I was really fortunate in that I didn't have a lot of reaction to the chemo mm. and that I was very grateful for. Mm. Um, so, and I just did things like had my ginger, you know, root ginger cut up into tea when I was feeling nauseous. I ate well, no alcohol, just tomato juice. Um, I just thought, what can I do to make sure I get through this really well? Mm, mm. Um, and could I keep working? That was the other thing. Wow, yeah. Uh, because it was high energy working in a high school oh, every yeah. day, putting on a one-day workshop and a lot of pressure mm. uh, in that day, and then to, to turn around and do it tomorrow. Mm. Wow. Mm. That is huge, because when you're in front of people, that you are really are giving a lot of your oh, energy. Oh, you do. And you can easily be judged <laughs> as well, you yeah. know. And yeah. so it is. It, it is a biggie. I was fortunate I had beautiful staff who really... Um, wanted to do more and so I just made sure I wasn't working on a Monday and a Friday. Wow, yeah. So it just gave me a longer weekend yes. and I could do my healing in between time, in between yeah. sessions. Yeah. Mm. And when you got to the end of your, your treatment and um, and what what was it like? Were you, did you feel different? Did yeah. you sort of think, how do I, you know, proceed yes. from here? Yes. Well, the interesting thing is um, I had come across a fabulous place called Halo. Mm. 
And at Halo, I first began going to Halo to have some Reiki healing done just prior to the beginning of a new treatment. So when I began my radiation, I went to Halo to have healing first. Mm. And at the end of all my radiation treatments, I went back to Halo to have some more healing. Mm. But also on that journey at Halo, um, Nicola runs these wonderful spiritual awakening courses in Mm. the evenings. And I joined that and I came to realise that the cancer, there was a bigger picture here. Mm. Yeah. And therefore I could begin to make peace with it. And I had to work out what was that bigger picture and how do I work towards that picture. And how did you figure that out? I figured it out because I've always liked helping people. Yeah. And I sometimes I, I believe that life gives you something and you have to decide what you're going to do with it. Mm. And uh, I'd been in my business for 20 years. I knew that I was kind of looking for a change, but when Steve passed, all I wanted to do was keep things going in normal routines. Mm. And when I got the cancer, I've, and I, I looked at people, and I looked at how they were reacting to the journey, and yeah. I saw a lot of sadness yes, and a lot of fear. And I realised then that I was learning a lot on this journey, yeah. that because I like helping people, maybe there was a place for me to support people going through this journey. Yeah. So I started to explore how could I do that. Wow. And what what sort of steps have you taken? What mm. I mean, we were talking before about all the amazing mm. things you've done. Um, what, have, what are the steps you've taken to set yourself up to mm. be someone that can do that? So um, <clears throat> the first thing I did during lockdown... Yeah. <laughs> COVID is an, another opportunity, you yeah. know, um, as I did a course in mindfulness. Mm. So I learned how to become a mindfulness facilitator. At Halo, I'd learned uh, about meditation and I'd come across this fantastic app that you, everybody can use and it's yeah. free. And um, you can find the apps that will work really well for you. So mindfulness, I began doing that. I loved my um, Reiki healing and mm. really felt that it was making a difference. So a couple of weekends ago, I completed um, my workshop and now I have my master's in Reiki. Wow. Um, I also learned during that journey, there was a lot to do with energy in our body and often pain is caused by energy not moving in our body. And we need to get the body, the energy moving in our body. So I've done this lovely um, course uh, called the Eden Healing Technique. Mm. And it's about healing energy. So I'm just completing that now. Yeah. And I just love that anybody can do healing energy on themselves every single day. I think a lot of people go through cancer and come out very defeated in a way and I and sort of I know for me and I you know I've spoken to other people who sort of would talk about it you come out and I mean your body is can be different you've been through um, an enormous medical medicalized process um, and I think I spent a lot of months just not knowing who I was anymore or not really recognizing myself in fact, I find it really hard looking at photos of me before because I don't even recognise that person mm. to what I what I see now, um, and trying to make sense of it all, and um, even down to what do I like wearing? What mm. can I fit on my body mm. now? Um, you know, I still have the fatigue, and you know, there's all of this stuff, and we don't know what to do with it, mm. and we're not taught to what to do with it mm. because I think there's this sense of and I, I mean I've, I bring this up so many times now but I just I still find it hilarious that my oncologist's advice was and now we we encourage you to go and get on with your life mm. and thinking mm-hmm. but who what? am I <laughs> how, you what now yes. <laughs> yeah. how does one do that and yeah. I think that's what kind of that's what led me to the healing circle was that I had no idea what to do with myself. I was so full of of grief and and, and trauma from the experience, um, and there was this expectation of okay, well, you're, it's done now. You just mm. you know mm. you can carry Go back to on. Normal. And there is no normal. There is anymore. no normal. 
Yeah. No. We, it's up to you to redefine that now. Yeah. And actually, what you're feeling right now is exciting because it's telling you your soul is ready to take its next step to grow. Yeah. When you feel unsettled, you feel as though nothing's happening, you know, you're stuck. It's telling you your soul is ready. So start planning what you want that to look like. Mm. So if you're not sure who you are, who, you have the choice of who you are. And that is a really powerful place to be. Mm. And this is the thing I remember about you from that um, from the um, weekend, is that you, you talk about... Um, that cancer gave you this amazing opportunity mm. to mm. to redefine yourself, to mm. reinvent yourself. Mm, it did. And I thought, that's amazing. Mm. <laughs> what a you know, what a fantastic way to think about it. Well, I think that I think before cancer I was a bit frumpy. Mm. You know, I was um I didn't know how to put clothes together. I was trying to age gracefully. Yeah. Uh, I used to look at women who had it all together in their clothes. I go, How do I look like that? Yeah. Um but when I got diagnosed, um it was really I mean, this is all superficial stuff, but it actually made a big difference yeah. to me was my beautiful stepdaughter. Um she found a person to tattoo my eyebrows. Oh, Now, wow, I yeah. was losing my eyebrows yes. anyway because I was getting older and they were blonde. And so I had no eyebrows anyway. And so I went to this lady and suddenly I had these soft, grey, lovely eyebrows. And I said to my doctor, I'm keeping these eyebrows to my 80s. I said, I love them. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was actually the beginning. And then I went to... Um, farmers and I took all my makeup to farmers and I said okay this is the makeup I've got this is the journey I'm going on but how do I keep myself looking fresh yeah so I didn't have to spend any money I just used what I had but I had to relook at how I was doing it um and then of course I lost my hair and um going through that journey of getting the wig and I got a short gray wig and everybody liked it and I thought I don't have to be blonde anymore. Yeah. Right. Okay. People like this. So when my hair started growing back, I um, it was growing back grey. So I kept it grey. And um, now I just have a short grey kind of pixie style. So that was actually beginning to change my look. Yeah. And I actually liked it. So it made me feel good. And when you feel good on the outside... You can then start working out what's happening on the inside and start looking after yourself on the inside. Yeah. And that I think um, we've touched on it a little bit uh, of the the book Radical Remission and Mm. Radical Hope. I um, have started listening to Radical Hope. And for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's written by Kelly Turner. And she has done research into, into people who go into spontaneous remission, isn't Mm. it? So there's no Mm. rhyme or reason for it. No. In a way. No. Either the tumour stops growing or it decreases in size or it disappears completely. Mm. Mm. And so she researched people and she she started finding commonalities. Mm. And the thing that I find so interesting about what she found, it wasn't everyone went vegan no. and, and no. you know and, and started or got you know, rid of all the toxins in their house or yeah. those sorts of things or mm. lived in a yurt and mm. <laughs> it just that wasn't that wasn't the commonality no no they're simple things yeah but one of them that was really is really powerful is positive emotions mm. because that really will increase your immunity yeah. And everything we have to do everything we can to recharge our immunity. And so those things are not they're just good common sense things. Yeah. So because you've you've started looking into in, into training around mm. radical remission. Mm. What what was it about it that really led you to it? What is it about her her research and the, I guess the fundamentals that really draw you to those ideas that there's always hope? Yeah, that's the first thing. And I think if you've been given a diagnosis, um, you there's no place in our hospital system of a place of hope. Mm-hmm. But if everybody was given radical hope, mm-hmm. you would have hope. Yeah. And you could start working out. So what does my body need? What are the things here? I might not do all nine of those things, but I might do six that are right for me then that's a huge step forward.
And this is the thing I remember about you from that weekend is that you you talk about um, that cancer gave you this amazing opportunity mm. to mm. to redefine yourself, to mm. reinvent yourself. Mm, it did. And I thought that's amazing. Mm. <laughs> what a you know what a fantastic way to think about it. Well, I think that I think before cancer, I was a bit frumpy. Mm. You know, I was, um, I didn't know how to put clothes together. I was trying to age gracefully. Yeah. Uh, I used to look at women who had it all together in their clothes. I go, how do I look like that? Yeah. Um, But when I got diagnosed, um, it was really, I mean, this is all superficial stuff, but it actually made a big difference to me, was my beautiful stepdaughter, um, she found a person to tattoo my eyebrows. Oh, Now, wow, I yeah. was losing my eyebrows yes. anyway because I was getting older and they were blonde. And so I had no eyebrows anyway. And so I went to this lady and suddenly I had these soft grey lovely eyebrows and I said to my doctor I'm keeping these eyebrows to my 80s I said I love them Mm. and um, so that was actually the beginning and then I went to um, farmers and I took all my makeup to farmers and I said okay this is the makeup I've got this is the journey I'm going on but how do I keep myself looking fresh yeah so I didn't have to spend any money I just used what I had but I had to relook at how I was doing it um, and then, of course, I lost my hair and um, going through that journey of getting the wig. And I got a short grey wig and everybody liked it. And I thought, oh, I don't have to be blonde anymore. Yeah. Right. OK, people like this. So when my hair started growing back, I um, it was growing back grey. So I kept it grey. And um, now I just have a short grey kind of pixie style. So that was actually beginning to change my look. Yeah. And I actually liked it. So it made me feel good. And when you feel good on the outside, you can then start working out what's happening on the inside and start looking after yourself on the inside. Yeah. And that I think um, we've touched on it a little bit uh, of the the book Radical Remission and Mm. Radical Hope. I um, have started listening to Radical Hope and for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's written by Kelly Turner and she has done research into into people who go into spontaneous remission, isn't Mm. it? So there's no Mm. rhyme or reason for it. No. In a way. No. Either the tumour stops growing or it decreases in size or it disappears completely. Mm. Mm. And so she researched people and she she started finding commonalities. Mm. And the thing that I find so interesting about what she found, it wasn't everyone went vegan and, you know, and and started... Or got rid of all the toxins in their house or those sorts of things. Or Mm. lived in a yurt and... Mm. Just that wasn't that wasn't the commonality. No, no, they're simple things. Yeah, but one of them that was really is really powerful is positive emotions, mm. because that really will increase your immunity. Yeah, and everything we have to do, everything we can to recharge our immunity, and so those things are not they're just good common sense things. Yeah, so because you've you've started looking into in, into training around mm. radical remission, mm. what what was it about it that really led you to it? What is it about her her research and the, I guess the fundamentals that really draw you to those ideas? That there's always hope. Yeah, that's the first thing, and I think if you've been given a diagnosis. Um, you, there's no place in our hospital system of a place of hope. Mm. But if everybody was given radical hope, mm-hmm. you would have hope. Yeah. And you could start working out, so what does my body need? What are the things here? I might not do all nine of those things, but I might do six that are right for me. Then that's a huge step forward. Yeah. But first of all, accept that's just the way I am. Mm. And then laugh when you don't think you fit in or laugh at the jokes because that's just who you are and to rejoice that and celebrate who you are Mm. because that's going to give you precious gifts that those without ADH will never have. Yeah. I think a lot of people get through their cancer um, treatment and probably come into that same space of who am I, where am I, Mm. what do I Mm. do now? Mm. Um, Because it does change us. It Mm. really does. When When you're 
faced with your mortality, mm. you're really forced to kind of think, you know, how do I want to spend the rest of mm. my days? Or what has it taught me? Yeah. And, you know, cancer teaches you, and as I learnt with my husband, because he passed away in his sleep, wow. was life changes in a second. Yes. In a second, our life is one minute one way and one minute the other way. So if life is that precious, then why aren't we living our best life? Mm. And what it does once you've had the day, you've come through the journey, for me personally, I don't put anything off now. Yeah. You know, I don't wait. I'm wearing the best perfume I've got. You know, I'm not saving it for the, you know, the, 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 you know, the hot date. Yeah. Um, it's, you just get out now and live life because you know that tomorrow it can be different. So mm. just enjoy today. Yeah. Yes. That's so that's true. That's all you've got. And that's what it reminds you. And there's, there's a blessing that teaches you that. So yeah. you don't put off the things that you would love to do mm. or how you wish to live your life. Mm. What are you putting it off for? Mm. Work it out. What's going to give you joy most days? How do you want to live that life? You've got to earn money. How We, we have to. We live in the world that we need to earn money. So how much do you need to earn what's going to make you and COVID taught us Mm. it really brought us back I actually think it was the world rebalancing itself absolutely um and boy weren't we lucky to be living in New Zealand but it also that lockdown period taught us a lot about Mm. ourselves yes some of us made the most of it some of us didn't some of us saved money you know all sorts of things happened we cooked more we exercised more some of us bought a lot of fabric online, and there I'm not can. saying that was me. Okay, then. <laughs> I hope you've got a sewing machine. <laughs> and an overlock. Okay, good <laughs> So, therefore, maybe that's telling you that there's a creative outlet for you. Yeah. Is that you were drawn to be buying this fabric. I want to want to touch on grief a bit, mm. because I know that losing a partner is enormous, mm. Um and also, you know, going through a major illness mm. is, you know, creates grief. How have you managed that grief? How have you, how have you moved through it in a mm. way that it means that you don't get stuck in mm. it? Well, that was actually a really big lesson to me because um, when Steve passed, um, and we lived down a long driveway at that time. Um, I, I think I just lived in the house and I didn't socialise very much mm. because I didn't want to talk to people. Yes. I mean, they were talking rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've had, you know, had a major thing happen in my life. Yes. And so rubbish was no longer important to me. Yeah. And um, I, so I think I had away for a little while with him. And then I met a woman who um, had lost her husband and she was still in the grief. 13 years later wow. and that was my wake up call to go I don't want to be like that mm. and it, you have to find the courage to get yourself out of it and do small things to get yourself out of it mm. um, with the cancer diagnosis um, I think I just like most patients I did everything that the doctor wanted me to do mm. Mm. and that probably happened for the first uh, 12 months of the journey until I discovered that there was actually more that I could do for myself. Yes. And that got me back to being excited again. Yeah. Yeah. And I came out of it much quicker. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'm always, I just, I'm always intrigued by, um, you know, the way, the different ways people deal with their cancer yeah. diagnosis yeah. and how you know, what we can learn from each other and how we kind of come out of it. And I think for me, um, I make sense of things through through this sort of thing, through yes. that connection yes. and storytelling mm. and, and those sorts of things. Because um, I guess there's always that curiosity of well, how have other people done it? Because mm. I don't want to be that woman either, 13 years later, still... Yeah, But I think life gives you things and Mm. it it talks to you. And that day, life was talking to me saying, do you want to be like her? Yes. Or do you want to move on? 
and I, I, it was right in my face then that I needed to move on. So what did I have to do to do that? And that's where you have to find your courage because it's hard. Yeah. I didn't want... I've just recently sold our house where yeah. we were married in that house, he passed in that house, and I could stay in that house and be happy. But my life then isn't moving on. So it was a really big thing for me and my two lovely stepchildren to actually sell that house. Yeah. But I had you know, to reassure all of us that we weren't... Well, Dad wasn't um that we were now just going to take away the memories yes the memories were coming with us yeah and that's what we were going to hold on to and we were going to hold on to those lovely routines and rituals that we have when we do gather as a family so in order to what did i have to do to create the change and one was a major one which was actually selling the family home wow and i did that um, just after COVID. Mm. wow Mm. And that is huge. It is huge. It's huge because yeah. all your memories are there. All yeah. our love life was there. Yes. And so it was big. But we did a beautiful blessing on the house on the day I closed the door. And I think what Māori and Pacifica, because Steve was Cook Island, and uh, I learned so much from him. And I think Māori and Pacifica do so do rituals yes. and things so well. Yes. And they acknowledge events. And... That gives us a place, whether it be a blessing, whether it be um, a, a, a speaking, or whatever it is. But those rituals gives a beginning to something and an ending to something. Yeah, and I and there's a tr- there is transformation in ritual. I Absolutely, think. and it gives you permission. I've done everything I can, yeah, and I've honoured and loved, and now it's time to move. Yeah. move on um, knowing that I now have a may not have the sp- uh, physical relationship but you can begin to have a spiritual relationship mm, absolutely mm. I think that's important I think and I think I'm probably saying this for myself more than anything that I you know when we when we go through these major things that it's not about being positive all the time no. and, and those, those sorts of things it's about being able to Acknowledge what you're feeling. Allow some of those awful emotions, but know that you will move through them, and that every time we do, there's that little bit of layer it's that, gone. Ca- that comes off. Yeah. That's right. But do it with ceremony, mm. because then you're putting an end to it. Yeah, I really like that idea. Mm. Putting yeah, putting an end to it, and just saying this this feeling no longer serves me. Mm. So I take it out of my body. You yeah. know, and I do this by letting it go. Whether you're, you know, you're a writer, so mm. and so write it and then burn it or throw it into the water or do something mm. that actually acknowledges that that feeling, that emotion no longer serves me, and mm. I allow it to go. Thank you for teaching me this. Yeah. Thank you for allowing this that I've learned this. So I'll recognise it in other people, but it no longer serves me. So I'm now letting it go. Oh, I love that. It reminds me of um, one of the best holidays I ever had was in Vietnam, and mm. I went by myself, and it was such an adventure. Um, and I was in a um, town, a small town. Um, I always get them mixed up. I, yeah, it was not Hanoi. It's the other one where you can get everything made at time. Anyway, anyway, it was a small town in Vietnam. And I was there on a special holiday or a special event. And we went out onto this lake um, in, in boats. And we all, um, you know, you light a candle and almost like a paper, you know, mm. a, a paper um, candle holder. Lantern. Lantern, that's the word I'm looking for. I can't find my words today. And you let them out, and you let them go. You let your hopes and dreams go out, mm, and you mm, know, and that sort mm. of thing. And yeah, I think you're right. There are so, I think our repressed Anglo-Saxon <laughs> background doesn't always serve us because I don't think we do have that idea sometimes of yeah, letting go or that ritual around major decisions or or events and things that allow us to um, acknowledge then let go. You're giving it permission to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I give you permission now to go. Yeah. And there's so many ways that you can do that. It's mm. so healing. Mm. And then you walk with a new lightness. 
mm. about yourself. Mm. And you're the one of the things I did at the beginning of the year is um, knowing I had my eye on this house and I thought, how, how am I ever going to afford this house? So I popped it on a treasure map. Oh, on wow. this, and yeah. So I'd been watching this house being built and I popped it on my treasure map with other things that I wanted to attract into my life yeah. for the next 12 months. Well, I moved into that house yesterday, so I took it off the treasure map and said, now let's focus on the others. <laughs> And um, so that actually, for me, because I'm really visual, I needed to have that visually and to put it on a with all the words and pictures that described how I wanted to live for the next 12 months. Oh, that's fabulous. I feel like this is a, a good place to stop because I could keep asking you questions to try <laughs> and um, sort out my life. <laughs> You see, these are really for me. They're, yeah, I get. I pick. I ask people on to try and fix my life. <laughs> well, we all love listening to them because we can all learn from other people. Yeah, it's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this part of your experience. Because I think, Pleasure. yeah, I, it's it's such an important piece of the puzzle for many of us of how do we heal. Um, and when we don't have the tools, you can sort of mm. feel very lost. So thank you for that it's sharing a real that. pleasure. Many blessings to you and all our listeners today. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today. The C Word airs every Sunday on Auckland's Planet FM 104.6 FM or online at www.planetaudio.org.nz forward slash the C Word. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you next time.
right now because it's going from the top of head, the head all the way down. All the way down. Yeah, I can feel you 